0: Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 37.
1: So Brooke, today I want to talk with you about change and um, there's a few ways we can come at this topic So I guess the way I want to come at this one today is I want to talk about those changes we know we need to make in our lives, but we find difficult to do. So it's the ones where we tend to wait till we have no choice and then we make the change. So as an example, about seven-ish years ago, I was in a pretty bad place thanks to the stress and anxiety that that was mostly brought on by how I approached running my business. Specifically, I was over-promising, over-delivering, and undercharging, which is... (laughs) Recipe for success. (laughs) Yes, fantastic. And I knew what I was doing wasn't sustainable, and I was well aware of the effect it was having on me personally and on the people around me. Yet, it wasn't until I had a complete breakdown eight months later that I did anything about it. So... I guess my question to you to kick things off is, have you experienced something similar where you kind of knew what changes you needed to make, but you just found it difficult to make those changes and, and you know, probably until things got a little bit desperate?
0: Yes, I have <laughs> absolutely had a very similar experience, kind of almost the same timeline as you, actually, uh, you know, my business looked a little different. And I think the impact that it was having was slightly different on my life, but I had worked myself into such a state of overwhelm and stress and overcommitment and also underpayment, <laughs> which was awesome. And, you know, so I, I was really – it was quite obvious, I think, to pretty much everyone that I was on a hiding to nothing at this point. And it took a like a, a, a real breakdown, I think, that – well, I kind of had two. I didn't even listen to the first one. <laughs> I remember distinctly, I was really heavily pregnant with our second and driving down to my parents' place just completely and utterly and totally spent like to a point that it was that nothing. There was nothing else left to give. And I remember my mum saying to me, you know, you 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 this is, this has to change. You can't, keep up with this and previous to that if anyone had said that and probably people did say the same kind of thing I thought that I would be fine I was invincible I you know I could turn it around you know I just needed time I just needed Mm. a little bit more energy I just needed a little bit more whatever luck you know (laughs) timing I I was still determined for it to not be the case and then when Toby was born it was sort of six, eight weeks after he was born and I was diagnosed with really severe postnatal depression and my mental health was very poor. Like I was in a really bad place. That was when I, I realised that, you know, not only did I need to stop a few things, but I needed to make huge changes I wish that I had been able to look forward a little more than i than I was, but I don't think I had the capacity to, to be honest mm. at that time. I'd got myself into such a state where I was basically panicked all the time. You know when you're panicked, you can't you can't see things properly. like you you kind of have that bo- that blind panic sort of feeling, and that was how I felt I was living every moment of every day. And, yeah, so I have absolutely been in that, that situation. And I do know people who have been able to turn things around without hitting that breaking point, Mm. but it's really common. I mean, the people that I speak with who have learnt to slow down or simplify have probably I'd say like
1: 90%
0: of them have done so as a result of some kind of trauma or some kind of, you know, breaking point situation. The vast majority aren't doing it because they're just able to look into the future and say, well, I think I need, to change before it gets too bad.
1: Yeah, I I find this fascinating because I literally cannot think of a single person who has made a really significant and much needed change in their life without first experiencing some kind of serious trauma. And mm. like quite often, and I get this a lot from my readers um, when I kind of put it out there to them that, you know, if you made this big change in your life, what, what was the thing that led to it? I mean, cancer is so far up there as the number one thing, Um, like I got cancer or my partner got cancer or, and it's so much so that I catch myself going, all right, how do we make these changes without needing to first get cancer or the equivalent? So, you know, my kind of breaking point was finding myself on the floor of my kitchen, thinking the world would really be a lot better without me in it like life for everybody that i loved would be better if i was not around and i distinctly remember saying to my therapist like i don't really do regrets in life but that is one regret i have is that i had to wait till i was in such an extremely bad place before i made the changes that needed to be made and i wish i wish i couldn't and i think like for my own personal situation I actually wrote a post about this kind of like the seven reasons you can't make the changes you want and I know that a lot of the, the points that I touched on in the post applied to me because I you know f- one thing was I was like well you know this is just how life is if you are going to be a small business owner with kids life is just going to be like this it's going to be stressful it's going to be full-on you're going to be stressed you're going to be anxious that's just how it has to be and I think that state of mind is very very common like we just accept we look around us we see everybody who is like us in that same situation so I when I look around at all the people I know who are small business owners with kids especially really young kids they are all really really stressed out and really stretched so it's kind of like we don't have any role models for people who are doing it so we think this is normal so we just keep doing it and it's just really horrible self-propagating thing.
0: Yeah it's actually really interesting to think through that because I mean you and I have both been quite open about the reasons that we firstly arrived at that breaking point but then also what that looked like for us and what we've, we've done since to, to turn it around and, and to start to live mm. life in a much more sustainable way and I think that there's a, a kind of duality that happens because of that. I think, first of all, and really importantly, it makes people who feel the same or who have been through mm. the same thing feel okay. Like it's just removing the stigma a little bit. You know, the fact that we're, we and other people are willing to talk about it openly is not at all, all a bad thing. You know, I'm really glad that, that I did it. I'm glad that there are others doing the same thing because it means that those people who maybe are feeling like they're alone realize that they're not. So I think that is that is really important. But then on the other side, it, it almost creates this story that we can't make change without hitting that breaking mm. point or that mm-hmm. if we haven't hit breaking point, then it's not time to change it and that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I wish, like I said before, I had been able to be a little more self-aware and see what, what my behaviour was doing and where it was heading so that I could have cut it off at the pass, you know, before it became such a massive, massive issue. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting. And I have actually just recently spoken to a couple of people and I received an email from someone not long ago saying exactly the opposite to what your experience has been, which was I didn't have a traumatic experience. Actually, one of my podcast um, guests, Margie, turned her life around from really hectic and, and stress-filled, but she didn't come to a, a, a moment of clarity. She didn't have trauma, she didn't get sick, nothing like that. It was just a gradual turning around, which I thought was really interesting and not at all necessarily common, but I, I also think that's maybe because of the stories that we tell around the idea of change, they have to come from, you know, the, the, the illness or the accident or the loss or the, the breakdown.
1: Yeah, I definitely, definitely felt I, that I could not, I, I think the thing was, I knew that the situation that I was in required fairly extreme changes because I'd tried mm. making gradual changes and that, that just wasn't working. Um, and I felt, and it, a lot of them were client related. So I mentioned the overpromising, promising over-delivering and undercharging thing. I felt I couldn't push back against that without something major sitting behind it like you know I felt like I couldn't go to my clients and go look I'm really struggling right now and it's because I'm doing this I'm going to have to start doing this instead you know I'm not going to be able to turn things around in 2 hours I'm not going to be able to do things for free just because they took me 15 minutes I'm you know, I'm going to have to start charging for all those things but I just didn't feel able to do that simply off the back of, look, you know, I'm just a bit stressed and anxious at the moment. And I certainly almost didn't have those words to use back then anyway. So do you reckon maybe, yeah, as you say, like I'm a bit worried about the duality of, you know, say people like us who've pushed all the way to the edge and sharing our experiences, making it seem like that's where you have to go before you make changes. But I think also, we're maybe starting to give people the language to use to make the changes that need to be made before things do get dire do you think I
0: agree yeah definitely okay and and I don't want to make it want to make it sound like I think that people talking it through is at all a bad thing because I don't I think it's awesome and I, I I agree actually people now have I guess yeah the language and the the self awareness I think in general people's awareness of in this instance you know mental health and well-being is increasing I think the more people talk about it the better it is and I think that hopefully that is a byproduct like people are able to say I am feeling anxious because of this what can I do to turn it around before it becomes this huge you know monumental traumatic experience that that they need to turn around from so I, I mean I think that that's a really good part of of talking about it and giving people access to the language and and even things as you know as important as support networks and all that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Another point that I made in my post when I was talking about the reasons you can't make changes you want and this is something that was definitely a mindset for me and I'm curious to hear if you thought something similar i kind of thought i don't deserve anything better than what i've got right now and if anyone's listened to this podcast before they know where i how i feel about the whole deserving concept but yeah i had gotten into the mindset of oh come on kelly you live in a nice house you've got a healthy family you've got you know good enough you know you've you are financially stressed because we were financially stressed but at the end of the day we also had choices that we could make so I kind of got in that mentality of our situation is so much better than everybody else you know than so many other people's out there who am I to want Hmm. something better than what I've got right now
0: yeah I can relate to that a lot and it's that's something I've always felt kind of uncomfortable about and I think because it's tied up in the ideas of of privilege and and fortune and timing and luck and place of birth and all those kinds of things as well. But I think to me, there was definitely an element of, well, I don't deserve anything more, but it wasn't so much about my situation, but more about me and how much I just disliked myself. And I think that that was, you know, you're getting what you deserve kind of thing. You're unhappy, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're panicked you're sad all the time because you don't deserve anything better than that um which i guess is is, it's the same thought but maybe applied in a different direction yeah
1: it's almost like who are we to want something better because isn't what we've got already pretty good
0: (laughs) and then there's the whole you know, guilt of of, of discontentment when mm. the life you have is something that genuinely and quite literally a lot of people would give a lot to have. I think to me, maybe that realization was when I started to think outside myself as well, because I think working in internally and and sort of sorting out how we feel about these kinds of things is really important. But at some point, we need to get our heads out of our butts and just start to think about the the bigger world you know Mm. and I think that's something that I'm still absolutely working on and probably always will be but to me that that shift that perspective change was really important because yes the things I mean I don't know I'm I'm
1: kind of (laughs) you get tired out whenever we go anywhere near the topic of privilege you and I both get tired up because we both it's something we both struggle with because we don't really know how to treat it with the sensitivity that it needs, while at the same time acknowledging that everyone on this earth, regardless of their level of privilege, kind of has a right to be happy and content. Yes. But it does get caught up in that thought of, well, hang on a minute, you've got food on the table, roof over your head, what is there not to be happy and content about? Like, And that's kind of like where I came at it from. It was just like, you know, it was very self-flagellating of who are you to not be happy with what you've got here? And I, I know what you mean about having to get out of your own head and out of your own, you know, get your head out of, up your own butt because it was only when I like looked outside myself and went, hang on a minute, this isn't just about you. Like this is about the people who love you. So this is about your husband who's watching you struggle, can't really help you other than be there and give you a hug, but it's a struggle for him watching you struggle. It's you not, you know, I kind of never felt like I was a bad parent. I felt like I was probably all the energy that I had, I used, I used it towards being a good mum. Yeah. But I was definitely not a good boss. I was definitely not a good provider, service provider in the end because I got so resentful of my clients and what I felt their expectations of me were. I definitely wasn't a good family member because I was just, you know, this mopey. I didn't want to be around myself, so I couldn't think why anybody else would want to be around me. And I certainly wasn't a good friend. And I think like the way that I always kind of come back to it is is I, I define being a good person and kind of life success as being able to see what's going on around me and offer help to others when I notice it. And when I, and I, you talk about that box, almost like being in this box of anxiety where you're just, mm. you feel boxed in and you're reactive and you're constantly, yeah, under that, in that mode. And you can't look outside that box. And that's when I kind of go, okay, you're not doesn't matter how lucky you are. It doesn't matter if you're well off or not well off. It doesn't matter if you've got food, you know, food on the table, roof over your head. Like if you can't look outside yourself and influence the world in a positive way, and that was certainly, I wasn't able to do that when I was at my worst, then then that's not good for anybody. So that's kind of how I kind of come at it. I go, okay, what do you need to do to be able to look outside yourself and notice when other people are, struggling and offer a helping hand to them that's kind of my benchmark or the way that I measure about if am I doing life well at the moment yeah I'm not saying that's a right or wrong way to look at it I'm just saying that's my own personal benchmark for getting my head out of my own butt basically
0: (laughs) right and I think it's sort of to bring that back around to change is is that idea of am I worthy of this change you know do I deserve this change I think for me the idea of forward thinking and I'm looking at at myself post you know breakdown post big shift all of that and and looking at what I'm like with change particularly maybe painful changes or or realizations that then require you to change because once you've seen Mm. it you can't (laughs) unsee it you know once you've seen that something isn't working it's really difficult to unsee that So then at what point does it tip into the too painful to ignore kind of category and then how do you go ahead and and change there? And for me it's this, again, I feel like I talk about it most episodes, this self-awareness and I think that that in itself is a bit of a skill that you can develop over time and, you know, practising like living mindfully really Mm. does help because it helps you to tap into how you're feeling not in a good or a bad way, just paying attention to it, you know. Where's the tension in my life? What's this thing that I'm feeling pain about? Where am I feeling joy? You know, and just understanding more about what is working and what is potentially a, a tension or a, a stumbling block in life at the moment. And I think being able to cultivate that self-awareness is has been hugely helpful for me to then be able to think ahead and see a situation that you're like oh, it's not really going that well think about what it might look like in mm. a month or in three months or a year and I'm now better at that and playing that out in my head and making changes before I get to the breaking point point. and I think that really that breaking point was a and I can say it now because on the other side of it was a massive gift I think because you you get to that point you're like i would do anything to avoid that.
1: Yeah, yeah. oh, that, <laughs> that's exactly where um, I think that's where my mind is, is I'm like, having been there, I will never, ever, ever go there again. And um, I'm glad that I was gonna ask you about whether you are better at making change now, because I know certainly I am much, much better. And it's definitely the self-awareness thing where you pick up on things earlier, and then you mm-hmm. address them so much earlier. So um, a couple, must be about two, two, two and a half years ago now. So when Mia was born, it was great. I was kind of out of the business. I'd said to aunt, like, you know, when Jaden was born, I was, I didn't have any time off. Every time he fell asleep, I was on my computer, like quickly trying to catch up on stuff. I didn't really get to enjoy his early months of being a baby. <laughs> and I said, I really want when our next baby is born, I want to be able to just be there, you know, like be very present with them when they're born. And just as a kind of an aside, like, you know, Jaden didn't suffer any ill effects. Like we are hugely, hugely connected. So I've never kind of felt guilt over what, you know, it was just, that was just the situation at the time. And that was just unfortunate, but ultimately it's not affected anything. But I did know that when Mia was born, I wanted to be able to just be with her those you know at least for the first three months and I got to do that and it was brilliant it was really really lovely sometimes she'd fall asleep on my chest and it was so nice to just let her sleep on my chest as opposed to going oh gosh you're asleep brilliant Um, I'm going to throw you in your cot and I'm going to go quickly catch up on email it's like it was divine I'm I just so enjoyed her first, you know, her early months. And then the following year, as she got older and she started to go to daycare, I got kind of sucked back into our business by necessity. And before I knew it, like I was working full-time hours around and Jaden had just started school as well. So it was really difficult. I was doing like this you know, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. shift. And then I was doing the 9 to 3 shift. And then I was doing like the 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift each night, just trying to keep on top of my work. And Ant was also obviously working full-time in the business. So he was stressed out of his mind. I was stressed out of my mind. And then, you know, and after about six months of this, I was like, whoa, whoa, what are we what are we doing here? Um, This is not good. And I kind of said to Ant, I've always said to you that after you took over the business, if you just turned into me, then no point. Um, there's just no point doing yeah. this. So I was quite proud in that it took so, so, so much less time for us to, like, we sat down and we went, right, here's what we're going to do. We're giving ourselves, you know, this is the, th- this is the thing we're going to put in place. Um, we've got until the end of the year to make it work. If it's not working by the end of the year, then we have to make some big decisions about whether we continue with this business or not. And you know what? Aunt got busy making those changes that we had identified needed to be made. I got busy doing what I said I was going to do, which involved taking a role external to the business. Yeah. And then by the, you know, and that was one of those situations where, yeah, everything worked out and it was great. But even if it hadn't worked out, like we would have done what needed to be done. Like if it involved shutting down the business we would have shut down the business rather than just persevering through this horrible stress, anxiety state that we'd gotten back into. And I'm and it kind of when, if I look back over my life, I'm quite proud of that period because it shows that we, you know, I really learned and it's not one thing to learn and it's another thing to actually follow through on those learnings and go, no, this is like, you know, I've learned this lesson and I'm not going to let this thing happen again.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's learning, yes, but then also having practical ways of dealing with what you learn and ways of stopping it from becoming the same issue again and again. I feel like to me that's the difference between being a teenager and being an adult. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my teen and, like, early 20s years were – Making the same mistake yes. over mm-hmm. and over again, and not being self-aware enough to recognize the signs. Only to go, why am I back in this thing, this same situation again and again and again? And I think, as you learn over over the years, I don't know, I think age has anything to do with it. I think it's just maturity and and maybe a, experience. Yeah, exactly. And you know, an inclination for self-awareness that is is really me where i feel like i became an adult kind of
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think what i think i've learned over the years is and i think a big part of self-awareness is the recognition that we've got so many more choices than we think Mm. so i think like i think when i found myself at my absolute worst i really felt i had no choices i felt i was really stuck in that situation i was trapped you know we had a big mortgage we had committed to doing this and committed to doing that. Therefore, I had to keep working and I had to keep bringing in this income and I couldn't let this business down and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I I really did feel trapped. And then once I kind of came to the realization that I had so many more choices than I really kind of gave myself credit for, Things that's when everything changed because that's when you get to sit, sit down and be a little bit more rational about it and go, right, well... Here are the things open to me. Which of these things are we going to try first? And if that doesn't work, then you can try the next thing. And yeah, I just I found that whole concept of acknowledging my choices or the choices that were available to me was quite empowering. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I probably felt the opposite in that I had too many choices, but the the way that it played out and the way that I moved through that is the exact same like instead of getting overwhelmed by all the different options available to me and all the different things that I should or could or maybe might need to be doing, and I got rational, which means that you have to be in a certain place to do that anyway, but actually created some kind of plan or a list or a mind map or something as basic as that and just putting down everything that's on the table, I think be it Not enough choices or too many. I think the outcome is probably the same. You put it all out there and it becomes less terrifying and less kind of hulking and and mysterious and you get to then start making decisions. And I think for me that that's that's still something that I do to this day. If I feel either overwhelmed or stuck, I start to just mind map or brainstorm ideas or options or, or potential choices or actions and 99 times out of 100 it becomes quite clear quite quickly what the change needs to be and maybe what direction that that will kind of start
1: off in. I think that's such a good point because there's so much fear tied up in change and I think we've mentioned before on a previous show how if you're trying to get on top of your fears action trumps fear every time and it's so it once you've acknowledged that something needs to change, and then you've kind of like you said mapped out or just simply written down like these are the choices I've got available to me of actions I can take, then just the action of taking an action takes away a lot of that fear and you know and just feeling like you're moving forward. Momentum, and, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So if you've got nothing more to say on this topic, I have a quote. Share your quote. (laughs) So as we just noted, like change does come down to choice. And with regard to that, I really like this, this Nelson Mandela quote. And that is, may your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears. Thank you for listening to this
0: episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Pod. Or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm, and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. Uh, finally, if you wanted or felt, you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful, and um, you know, we we read them all, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.